many of you know that Lisa and I have six of the most gorgeous grandchildren God ever created, right? Did you know that? I may be a little prejudiced. In fact, as I was sitting back there thinking, what going, kind of going through my mind um, on my sermon today, I, I realized um, I may be so prejudiced that my grandchildren may even be ugly. I'm not even sure. <laughs> but I wouldn't know. How would you know, right? Because you just love them so much. I, I don't think they're ugly, but I think they're gorgeous. Anyway, we have four little girls and two little boys, and the youngest of the boys' name is Slater, and he just got back. Was it just last week, Lisa? He, he just last week got back from church camp, right? So we gave him a call just to find out how things went at church camp, and he was so excited to tell us everything that had happened at church camp. He wanted to tell us about this cute little girl that he met, and... <laughs> He wanted to tell us about the food that he ate because it was awesome food, and he loves to, to worship and sing, and it was a great week. And just as we were, I was getting the, we, were, we had him on speakerphone, we, we, we were getting the impression that he had kind of wound down and pretty much shared everything that he wanted to share. By the way, his, his uh, brother Jackson is staying with us right now. He, he had, we, we were, had listened to everything, his excitement and enthusiasm, and he says, Jackson, Jackson, are you there? And, and he says, yeah, I'm there, Slater. And, and he says, I got to tell you one last thing. He said, Jesus changed my life. That almost made me cry just saying that. There is nothing that an old preacher, grandpa, could hear that would make him more joyful than to hear one of his grandkids say, Jesus changed my life. It's awesome. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody who had so much to say um, and so many important things to say that they just couldn't get it all out and just when you think you're, they're done, they say, oh, and one more thing. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody like that? Well, Today, as we continue in our, our sermon, we're in a sermon series for those of you who are, are um, guests or visitors with us. We've been in a sermon series on discipleship, and discipleship at its core is um, learning, growing to be more like Jesus, right? So today, as we continue in this sermon series, we are um, um, going to take a look at a passage of Scripture uh, where it appears, at least to me, that the Apostle Paul was as excited as Slater. He, was so, he had so many things that he wanted to share that, um, that he almost forgot the most important thing that he wanted to share. And this morning, I'm going to tell you what that most important thing is. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And as you're doing that, like I try to do every week, I'll give you a little history and context so that you'll better appreciate what was going on. Because uh, again, sometimes you, you read Scripture and you just think, man, that, does that have anything to do with me? And today's Scripture may feel like that to you, but I'm telling you, it has everything to do with you. So what was going on um, here in this uh, passage of Scripture? The, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church in Corinth. It was a new church, and it was very unique, a very unique new church in one sense, but in another sense, it was just like all the other churches that Paul had been planting uh, in the early part of Christianity as well. For example, if you were with us last week, you may remember that we, um, we read from the book of Romans, right? 
And the book of Romans was written to a, a group, a new church of, of Christians in Rome. And one of the issues that they were dealing with was this meat sacrificed to idols, or eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols. And um, the, apparently this was a big deal all over the place because the Corinthian church was dealing with the very same thing, uh, meat sacrificed to idols. That's, that's the part that seems so weird to me. I mean, like, that is not an issue for most churches today anywhere, right? But apparently back in the day, that was a big thing because you see it sprinkled all throughout the Bible. That's Paul's letters in particular. But there, this is where the uniqueness of the Corinthian church comes in. They had, they had deeper issues going on than did the folks in Rome. The Corinthian church was the, I guess you could say, or the, uh, the town of Corinth, which was in Greece, which is in Greece, um, was the epicenter of the world, of the world's um, economy, culture, um, education. People who lived there, they were among the most sophisticated, educated, and rich folks in the entire world. It literally was kind of the epicenter of, of culture. And um, just like in the Roman church, there were people in, in that culture that were, that were dealing with this, this stuff that we had talked about a moment ago. So, I want you to keep all of that in mind, that they're, they're these, these kind of rich, sophisticated, um, um, educated folks, which is all good stuff, by the way, except for the fact that sometimes those are things that can cause a person to believe that the sun and the moon revolves around them. You know what I mean? And which... They had a whole church filled with people that thought the sun and the moon revolved around them. Now, most churches have one or two people like that. But imagine a church full of people who believe that, who think that way. It was a recipe for conflict. And it was that kind of context that Paul um, speaks these words into. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1-3. through 3. He says... And now considering meat sacrificed to idols. In other words, I've been checking off the list of a whole bunch of important things that you guys needed to hear about. And now we're going to come to this one, meat sacrificed to idols. He says, all of us have knowledge. But knowledge puffs up. Only love edifies. Um, therefore, let anyone who has knowledge, understand that ultimately you know very little. But let those of us that love God understand that we are known by God. Now, again, you hear all that stuff and you just think, okay, well, that just sounds like a lot of religious mumbo-jumbo. So what was he really trying to say to the church in Corinth? Basically, he, he was trying to say this. He wasn't trying to say when he said, uh, knowledge puffs up, only love edifies. He wasn't saying that the acquisition of knowledge is wrong. The fact of the matter is, to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you need to dedicate yourself to growing, learning, and applying um, knowledge, especially as found in Scripture, to your life. That's kind of the fundamental um, truth of being a disciple. But he was also trying to let them know, as, as true as that is, he was trying to say, knowledge can also make you arrogant, so be careful. And the truth of the matter is, 
That's what I'm seeing in you folks. I'm seeing a whole bunch of educated, sophisticated folks who are pretty arrogant. So he says, know this, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. What does that mean? What does the word edification mean? Basically, it means arrogance is self-centered. Love edifies, which means it's other-centered. Love builds others up. That's what it means to edify, is to build others up. So knowledge has a tendency to cause you to look inward, where love will cause you to look outward. That makes sense? So, he says, knowledge puffs up, love edifies. Therefore, let anyone who has knowledge understand they know very little, meaning you ain't that smart. We hear that a lot, don't we? You hear that from me, don't you? Knowledge puffs up, therefore let anyone who has knowledge realize they, under, they know very little, but that, let those of you that love God know that you are known by God. Now that's the part I, I need you to hear. Because basically what the, um, the Apostle Paul is saying there is that when God looks at you, this is the difference between God's economy and the human economy. When we humans, we are very impressed by sophistication, education, and riches, right? In God's economy, uh-oh. That was love right there. <laughs> that grandma thinks that's the most gorgeous child in the world. And he is gorgeous, by the way. Well, I don't remember, what was I saying? <laughs> he says, um, therefore let any of you that, know, that have knowledge understand you know very little, and let those of you that love God understand that you're known by God. In other words, when God isn't nearly as impressed as you are with sophistication, education, and riches, God is impressed by love. Now, again, you think, well, duh. Listen to me. Really what he was trying to say is that if you want to get God's attention, if you want to get God's attention, or if you're trying to get the world's attention, focus on uh, education and, and sophistication and riches. But if you're trying to get God's attention, get really good at love. Loving each other. Loving the world. And most importantly, loving Jesus. Is it wrong to be sophisticated and educated and rich? No, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But when God looks at someone, that's the things He's looking for is not those things. He's looking for someone who loves well. Which leads me to my last story. I, a few weeks ago, I told you about um, my Uncle Roger that died. Remember that? Some of you may remember that. Well, um, back in May, um, we had his committal service, and um, my cousin Chris was there, that was her dad, with her little girl, Emily. And Emily is a, um, she, Emily was born with severe Down syndrome. 
And uh, so much of her life has been um, tenuous, to say the least, because she has because oftentimes when you have Down syndrome, you have heart issues. She had real, some severe heart issues. She still does. And um, suffered from all the other things that come from Down syndrome as well. So the fact that she's still alive today is a miracle in and of itself. Anyway, I had the opportunity to spend some time with Emily and with Chris. Um, and then we went to my, um, her grandfather, my uncle's committal service. And because I'm a pastor, they asked Craig, do you want to say anything? And of course, because I'm a pastor, I had to, right? <laughs> Um, so I stand up and I, and I make a statement, something like this. I say, uh, to those who are grieving, I said, know this, Roger is still very much alive. He's alive in your hearts. He's alive in the person that you are because of the influence that he had in your life. He is alive every time you remember an instance that you had with him. Now, every time I was making one of these comments about Roger being alive, Emily, I could tell, was getting more and more agitated until eventually, in a very loud voice, right in the middle of my beautiful little statement, she says, wait a minute, Grandpa's alive? <laughs> and then she's going, and, and I could see everybody, we kind of stopped, and I could, she was getting more and more agitated. And, and finally, she looks at her mom and she says, Grandpa's alive. And her mom whispers in her ear and she says, she says, honey, Grandpa's with Jesus. And then she kind of goes, she goes, I love Jesus. Now let me stop right there for a second and ask you a question. What do you think God was more impressed by? The thing I said or the thing she said? As I've been trying to explain throughout all of this is that don't misunderstand anything that I'm saying. I'm not suggesting to you that you shouldn't read your Bibles. You should read your Bible. You should be learning and studying and growing and applying. It's all important stuff. Just never forget that the most important stuff is love. Oh, I love Jesus. Those moments when you get all agitated and upset because of all the stuff that you have going on, right? Learn from my little cousin, Emily. Yeah, I love Jesus. A little later on in the, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he has another one of those moments. He goes, oh, there's one more thing. <laughs> it's Romans, or, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. He's checking down his list as he goes through, and he, spent, he had spent a whole lot of time I'm talking about spiritual gifts because all these educated, sophisticated folks were fighting over who was the most spiritual because they had these spiritual gifts, right? And after he had kind of went through all of that, that's when he said, oh, and just one more thing. As important as all that stuff is, and it is, eventually all of it is going to pass away. Everything. 
but love. For the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Jesus, um, I am reminded of our, our mission, vision, tagline, or whatever we call it, simple, authentic Jesus, in moments like this. Because it is the human condition to get so wound up in so many things that we can forget what the most important thing is. It's all important. But there's nothing more important than love. The love we have for each other, the love we have for the world, and most importantly, the love we have for you. And when we can kind of keep that as the core of our being, what we will discover as disciples of Christ is that in the midst of it all, which is sometimes chaotic and painful and scary, we can find peace. So that's my prayer. I'm I'm praying it over these folks today. In the midst of all that their next coming week, maybe what they're in the face of all that they're they're dealing with right now, but in the this afternoon, this evening, this coming week, my prayer is that when they start to feel overwhelmed and confused and out of control, that you'll just whisper into their ear and say, Oh, just one more thing. I love you. I always have and I always will. Remember that and share my love with the world. Help us, Jesus, to be those people, those kinds of people who never forget that last and most important thing, love. We love you, Jesus. Amen.